Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Some interesting news, uh, and, and maybe not totally shocking, but at the same time uh, rather disturbing, I think, for an awful lot of people that are concerned about workers and, and the plight of workers here in this province. Uh, the Ford government has announced that uh, they are going to drop the axe on those labor reforms that were enacted by the previous government. It's called Bill 148. It was very wide-ranging. It talked about minimum wage, but it also talked about uh, getting decent leave uh, for family matters, uh, holiday time, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Apparently that's all going out the window. What are the implications of this? Uh, let's uh, bring Laura Kateri into the conversation, chair of the social po- uh, policy rather for the uh, Hamilton Roundtable for Poverty Reduction, obviously, who are deeply interested in this. Laura, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you with us today. Good morning, Bill. Thank you. This is not surprising, but uh, troubling nonetheless. It most definitely is. And just to step back for a moment, sure. it is not um, regular policy to go back over the previous government's policies and change everything line by line. I mean, politically, this is something very new um, that's emerging, and it's deeply disturbing, especially on something that impacts 1.7 million people in the province. Well, I mean, you know, I know the justification that, that the Premier's going to make and, and the Premier's supporters are going to make is, well, you know, this was a campaign promise. But, you know, all through the campaign, Laura, he said he was for the people. Uh, this bill, as it was crafted, uh, is essentially to try to get a better deal for workers. And, and it seems to contradict exactly what the Premier said he wanted to do. Oh, absolutely, and it's it's more than just the $15 an hour. I mean, they're already up to 14 I'm not sure when he says scrap the act if he thinks they can roll back that wage increase. But other than that, it's things that make it easier um, to have a family. I mean, there's paid sick leave for two days, another eight unpaid, um, there's emergency leave for your family, so if you have children, you're not going to lose your job because your child got the measles. Um, these are important changes that happen that really reflect the current labor market, um, that everyone's working more precarious work, work that is either contract or part-time, and it's something that was smoothing the way um, almost equaling the scales a bit more between employer and employee. Here's one of the argumentative points about this, because I know that the the Chamber of Commerce, I'm talking about the Ontario Chamber of Commerce now, uh, has lobbied for this. Uh, and they applaud this, as you might have expected. Uh, and, and, and I'm a little concerned about the, the numbers here. Uh, Rocco Rossi is the president and the CEO of the Ontario Chamber of Commerce. He's been on our program many times. Uh, and he says, we have been persistently urging the government to take immediate action and repeal Bill 148 due to the compounding labor reforms, which came at too high a cost to the economy. Uh, the unintended consequences, this is his quote, not mine, the unintended consequences have forced our members to decrease product offerings, increase the price of products being sold, hire fewer employees, reduce service hours and operation. Now that runs totally contrary to the report that was released last month that actually said that jobs have increased and productivity has increased and sales have increased since the minimum wage was increased. Absolutely. That's, that's data that I'm referring to right now. The, the, this is the same kind of fear-mongering that the, the other people that were opposed to this were talking about a year and a half ago. Absolutely. They're still uh, chanting the sky is going to fall or it is falling, and data in Ontario doesn't show that. Uh, the only job losses that we're seeing were in August and 
They're the annual ones. It's the end of summer jobs. And quite frankly, 60,000 jobs at the end of the summer for the entire province is actually pretty low. Um, The statistics coming out show that more hours are worked in productivity now than they were um, at the end of December 2017. Uh, We have seen nothing but increases since the minimum wage went up. We have seen nothing but increases with um, fairer work opportunities. You know, someone with part-time doing the exact same job as someone with full-time hours getting the exact same pay. I think there's something that they're ignoring, uh, namely the ability to possibly pay their rent and eat at the same time with this $2 increase that they had, um, being able to be less stressed, knowing exactly what hours they were going to work with a reasonable amount of time, a heads up, um, before shifts were called. Um, All those things contribute to employees who, one, are happy to be there, are less stressed out when they're there, and of course they're going to be more productive. And the, and the numbers indicate that. And what, what, what the government's doing here, frankly, what I think the Ontario Chamber is doing is conflating two stories here. Uh, there were the job losses at the end of the summer. There's job losses at the end of every summer. Uh, as you mentioned, because of part-time hires that are made through the summer months, those jobs end. And I know people that have been in that circumstance, and you know they were on contracts, and they understand that. But they're taking that and they're saying the reason those jobs were lost is because of the minimum wage increase and because of all these other things. Well, that's baloney. We know that's not true. But they want to conflate those two stories to try to justify what they're doing here. Yeah, it's it's utterly ridiculous. And I think, I mean, we know uh, the campaign 15 and fairness is demonstrating the 15th of every month until this is actually repealed, until it's not on the books anymore. Um they are continuing to fight for this. This is not the end of the fight. Um, and definitely let your MPPs know that this is not okay, that, you know, it's impacting. And honestly, if we look at 1.7 million people in a city like Hamilton, that's impacting your neighbor, your son, your daughter, your grandchildren. Um, it might be impacting you. And, it's not ridiculous to ask for, you know, uh, four days before you know if you have to work. Um, people have childcare to arrange for. And what is utterly mind-boggling is that, you know, they're offering this tax credit. Well, a large number of people under $30,000 aren't paying taxes anyhow. The average is 400 Uh, $85 a year, according to CCPA Ontario. For those who qualify. For those that qualify. And they stand to lose $1,900 in income. Here's a guy that ran on the premise of being for the little guy. You heard that how many times during the campaign, Laura? All right. All right. Now, since he's become premier, he's rolling back this legislation, the minimum wage legislation. He's uh, killed the uh, the guaranteed income project. He's rolled back the uh, the the increases that were supposed to happen with social assistance programs over the uh, the next couple of months. Uh, please explain to me exactly how he's for the little guy. He's crushing the little guy with these reforms. He's not only crushing them. I mean, I think in in terms of fifteen and fairness, he's actually losing revenue by not letting it stand because that's $2,000 a year that will not be taxed, that could have been taxed. Um, 
And then to go even farther, I mean, how do you call a 1.5% increase in social assistance, and we're talking a $12 increase a month for those on Ontario Works that are singles. So we're looking at people who are in the deepest poverty that will be even deeper this year because we know inflation has increased more than 1.5%. And to, to take it even farther without a dollar figure to cancel the anti-discrimination units uh, in the province, these are discussion tables. They're, they're not costing taxpayer dollars. Um, it doesn't look like they're interested in helping anyone at all unless someone has a corporate number. You and I have had this discussion you know, about real numbers here. Right. And, and when the debate was going on about even raising the minimum wage, so we're going back a year and a half, two years on this, and we heard all this stuff that we heard from the Ford government and from the, the, the Chamber of Commerce that it's going to kill jobs and grocery stores are going to close and nobody's going to buy coffee anymore. Uh, and we know that that's not true. We know that, as we just talked about a couple of minutes ago, that actually productivity and jobs have increased under that. But we also know that, yes, yeah, some of those businesses that were complaining about that were talking about, well, we're not making as much money. Well, that was a decision that they have made. Because uh, we, we've already talked to some of the, for instance, the Tim Hortons franchise owners that tell us that they're being forced to do all these upgrades within the store and have to pay for them by the head office. Well, that's not the, jo- that's not the fault of the people that's making minimum wage at the counter, is it? It's not the job of the grocery clerk. It's not the responsibility of the grocery clerk that's working at Sobeys or at Metro that the store is saying, okay, well, now we're going to have hot foods and that's going to cost us X number of dollars. They're victimizing the people that are making pennies on the dollar here and saying, well, it's all your fault that our, our profit margins are down. No, it's not. No, it's, it, I think you're absolutely correct. And to take it a step further, our government, yes, um, they have to make sure they don't implement anything that um, cripples our economy. But we've seen labor laws that were introduced have not crippled our economies. And it is not the government's job to appease corporations, to increase their profit margins, because that's what it is. None of these people have lost money over the past year. They're not losing money. What they're doing is putting the cost, capital costs, on the backs of those that can least afford it. And that isn't fair, and that is most definitely not for the people. Like, and this whole thing is actually based on a, on a falsehood anyway uh, that was being echoed through the campaign, and I heard Mr. Ford say it again yesterday, that, uh, that you know, we have to get the Ontario economy booming again. The Ontario economy was the highest run economy in the, in the country. Uh, we have one of the lowest business tax rates anywhere in North America. You know, a lot of that stuff is already in place, and the economy is starting to recover and has recovered for the last year and a half. So he's actually d- doing all of this to what fix what he calls a problem, which doesn't exist. Absolutely. And that's, that's not to say everybody's on easy street. We know that. There's, but, you know, there are still people that are challenged. And, and this legislation was supposed to address some of that, and it really bothers me. And I, I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but, I mean, even this, <laughs> this, this, this BS about tax credit for these people. As you mentioned, first of all, an awful lot of people that are making below, minimum, below a, a, a livable wage don't have to pay taxes, so they don't get the tax credit. But even if you do, you know and I know Lots and lots of people that, that can't wait for February or March when they file their taxes to get a tax credit. They need that money on a week-to-week basis to pay their rent and buy groceries, and that's not going to be available to them now. 
Well, I, I think that is exactly the problem, and I think there is a disconnect between um, politicians, and quite frankly, they're the ones we're talking about right now, and what actually happens on the ground with lower incomes, not, not necessarily only those under the poverty line, but even earning $30,000 a year. That amount does not pay for what we think it does anymore. It does not allow for any significant debt. Forget about a mortgage. You know, you might be paying off if you went to school a little earlier, student loans still. There's no vacation with that. There's no amount of money that you're going to go out, um, what we call social inclusion, um, you know, cultural trips around the city with family members or even getting together for a dinner. Um, and quite frankly, with the cost of housing in this city, it's very difficult for someone to live alone, pay for that, and eat, let alone all the other extras. And I think governments just do not understand. There is, um, just stepping outside of Ontario, there was a, a party leader in Quebec that just said, oh, yeah, a family of three can live on $75 a week for groceries. I'm like, where do you live? When was the last time you got on <laughs> in your car into a grocery store and did groceries? $75 a week for three people is ridiculous. Not, it's definitely not a healthy meal. Well, it's, it's a matter of being in touch. And, and you know, the, the concern that a lot of people had during this election campaign here in Ontario was that, look, at, you know, we're going to get back to back where the, the people that are having the hardest time are the ones that are going to pay the price for government reforms because we've seen this show before. And we were guaranteed, no, it's going to be different this time. This is a compassionate government. Well, I'm not seeing a whole lot of that yet. Uh, and, and, you know, that's the thing I think we want to get clear here, exactly what this agenda is and, and how they're going to move forward on this. But at the same time, if the agenda is just like a la Donald Trump and just saying, I'm going to tear apart everything that the last guy did because I don't like the last guy, uh, that seems counterproductive to what we need in Ontario right now. Absolutely. I I look at it, when I hear the word compassionate, um, I tend to cringe because I, I think of all the listeners out there already um, on social assistance that got a rate increase axed, but not only the rate increases, all the legislative changes that were supposed to take place this fall and before the end of the year that have been put on pause, as they say, things that would make it easier for them to get ahead. Um, I look at the cancellation of the basic income project. It's not just the dollars that they're going to be missed. It's a sense of hope because there is a level of income that is too low, and when it gets too low, you cannot pivot and make changes and change direction the same way you can when you have an adequate income coming in. Well, this and is, I, I've got to jump in here. We're just about out of time, yeah. Laura. But I mean, this is the beginning of a conversation I think we need to have in this province about exactly what the direction is going to be. And, and I know you guys are certainly going to be part of that. I appreciate the time today. Thanks, Bill. Laura Kateri, of course, uh, from the uh, Hamilton Roundtable for Poverty Reduction. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.